You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want him to go number one in the draft. As long as I go number one in the draft, and I sign the biggest contract I can. I lost the number one draft pick the night before the draft! I dropped six rounds in the draft because of that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the draft bonus episode thing that we do here. Whatever. Um, so I, I had planned to start today by doing exactly what we've been doing and going through all the different prospects and everything else and um, kind of ran into a little bit of an issue. So we started off with Cordy Trice, went through the whole thing, didn't have any tape on him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then as I'm sitting here, I just keep thinking about all the stuff that needs to happen, all the different things that I want to talk about. For example, on tomorrow's podcast, we need to go over what Gutekunst said and all the different stuff. You know, there's a lot of just Packers newsy draft trade stuff going on that we need to talk about. But then there's even some basic stuff. Like, again, I want to go over the guys that I really like because I don't even remember who they are. The first round picks, which are, are, are coming up. Mock drafts. Like, what's going to happen? So I decided to call an audible. And I went back to verify. I just looked at, uh, I ended up posting five podcasts yesterday. You know what the least listened to podcast was? This one. So um, considering it's also the one that I put the absolute most amount of work and, and time into, I decided to change it up. Today, because I feel like it, we're doing a mock draft. So the bonus episode today, we're still calling it a bonus episode. We're going to do a mock draft. Should be a little bit little bit easier. It's going to take still a decent amount of work, but um, because I really haven't been doing them and we need to do it, I think it's what we're going to do today. But anyways, I suppose without further ado, because these do th- these things do tend to take quite a while, why don't we get started? Um, so there has been a ton of new news that's come out about uh, the number one overall pick, specifically a rumor that appears to have started on Reddit, and it is somebody that claims that they know well Will Levis um, personally, and that he is telling people that Carolina has told him that they are selecting him. Additionally, he said that uh, the reason this market started moving initially is because uh, Bryce Young was told, you know, a while ago that he wasn't being selected number one. Now, I don't personally know that to be the way that teams operate. Maybe you want to give your guy a heads up. I don't know if you want to do it this far away, but I guess I don't really see any reason not to. If you if you know you're selecting him and, and that's a done deal, you can go ahead and, and do that. Um but I, the bottom line is I'm not going to run with it to that extent this early in the process. This is a brand new rumor, which, by the way, the rumor starts to break down further in the comments. He starts saying weird stuff that doesn't make sense. And also he has some radical prediction about something in like Star Wars or something like. So you have inside information on the draft and Star Wars. Dude is just connected. But anyways, the, the Vegas markets are flying around right now. Will Levis went from very long odds to be number one to like one in 10 or something. 
But maybe that's just based on the rumors that we just talked about. But anyways, I'm going to stick with Bryce Young. I still at this point think that that is the most likely situation. I guess I should establish right off the bat, is this going to be what I think or, or what they should do? And I think we'll go with what I think just because it's about predicting where the Packers are going to be at. We can work on doing the other one maybe another time. Not that it super matters. So then you get to the Texans, and, and it becomes a question of will the Texans be interested in trading out of this spot? Now, it's also worth noting that the Texans do have another pick coming up relatively soon, but there has been potential talk about them maybe moving off this spot or possibly taking a defensive player. This is one of those things where you got to really rely on the rumors just because, I mean, if you like the quarterback, it's a no-brainer. Despite the hype for Davis Mills, which, by the way, the, the Davis Mills thing is exactly an example of what I was talking about as far as Brock Purdy. Davis Mills came in. He was the great sensation. I can't believe it. This guy's actually a legitimate quarterback. Now, does anybody actually think Davis Mills is a good quarterback? I don't think so. But anyways, that, that clearly is a priority. But if you don't necessarily like the quarterbacks, what do you do? Well, you could trade it or you could take the top defensive piece. Well, that depends. How far back are you going to trade? Can you still get the top defensive piece? Do you what, what do you even think of the top defensive piece? Would you potentially want to tackle? What about a wide receiver? You know what I mean? Because the draft is so ridiculous in terms of not having clear-cut top defensive pieces or offensive pieces or any pieces, it's really tough to tell. Here's what I'm going to say, though. The... Uh, the only reason C.J. Stroud is not seen as this lock pick number two, I believe, is because of that whole, what, S2 cognition test or whatever. The guy went on the Pat McAfee show and said that two of the tests were completely false. Now, a lot of people are screaming like, oh, I bet this won't get all the attention. Well, it's not going to, and it shouldn't get as much attention as the reports that came out. Yes, the fake reports. The reason being... You have one person saying C.J. Stroud could potentially fall because there are reports that he had a horrific S2 test. I'm calling it S2. I don't remember if that's what it's called. A horrific cognition test. Then you have somebody else saying he might not have because he won't be specific and say which players. So the fact that he might is still a reality, and it hasn't really changed other than we have to put an asterisk next to it. Here's the thing, though. He described one of the players. He said, look, one of the guys... He said it was a high-profile guy, which technically, technically could apply to any of the top quarterbacks. However, it would not apply to the top quarterbacks that did really well on the test. And I'm actually going to add Anthony Richardson to that, although he might be saying this just to try to throw off people from the scent. But he said that there was a high-profile quarterback that showed up late. He really didn't want to do it. He was kind of forced to do it. And they made him essentially, I think he did the test. It was terrible. They had him do it again, and it was significantly better. The only guys that I could think that that could possibly apply to would be Hendon Hooker and C.J. Stroud. And considering how unbelievably, abysmally, terribly C.J. Stroud's test was, I have to assume he's the guy. Because, you know, is anybody actually that bad? And so if that whole thing was essentially blown out of proportion, not to say he necessarily did well, but again, factor in, we start with the tape, which everybody seems to like, and then we use this to kind of maybe adjust some things, but I, I ju the, the bottom line is, I'm actually going to lean C.J. Stroud still being the pick here. Kind of hasn't, hasn't been the cool pick in a while, but as I sit here and think about it, and again, getting back to my normal philosophy of how things work, generally being the most boring possible outcome, I think that makes the most sense. Then we get to pick number three. The consensus at this point, I think, is that this will be traded. The biggest question, though, is to who and what is it that they want? 
Now, obviously, if if any of those top two quarterbacks are still available, this would be much easier, but they aren't. So here's the thing. I'm, I'm actually going to say with the top two guys off the board, I'm going to say that nobody actually does trade up. And in a sense, it, it does make sense. I mean, it, it, it's all based on the rumors that they really want to move the pick, but that might just be to try to drum up as much interest as possible and see what they can get. But in reality, they need a lot of help, especially on the defensive side. And so then it just comes down to who are they going to pick. And again, if we're talking most boring, obvious answer to all of this, I think it's pretty clear the answer is Will Anderson, especially when you're looking at a defense that doesn't have pass rushers. They need desperate defensive help. They need pass rush help. And they're a 3-4 team that could use a guy like Will Anderson. So I'm going to, again, go with the more obvious pick here and say Will Anderson to the Cardinals. And so then with the Colts sitting here at four, the, the only thing I could really think is, I mean, quarterback is the most obvious answer. It's just a matter of who. I actually think they're in a relatively decent, I'm not saying plug in a quarterback and they're Super Bowl contenders, but they're in a decent position here. They could use a number one wide receiver, but they can still acquire one. They've got a good offensive line. They have a phenomenal running back. They have some solid pieces on defense. Guys like DeForest Buckner, um, Isaiah Rogers at corner is phenomenal. A couple other decent options. So it, it, it kind of comes down to, okay, if we're taking a quarterback, are we going Will Levis or Anthony Richardson? And I just can't help but think, considering it seems to be the consensus that Anthony Richardson is 100,000% a project, and, and it's we're talking multi-year, from the ground up, teach this guy to be a quarterback. Not that Will Levis is necessarily plug-and-play, but he kind of is. I remember there's that whole thing where his coach was from the LA Rams, and, and they run the same system, and he's pro-ready. Not to say he's ready in terms of he's a good quarterback, but he's ready in terms of you don't have to coach him up through all that stuff. You got some tweaks to make and hope that he can develop into a better, you know, more accurate quarterback. But I think it just makes more sense that Will Levis would be the guy for a team that is maybe a year away as opposed to nowhere near what they need. Then at five, we have the Seattle Seahawks. And this is another one that seems kind of straightforward. And again, I'm, I'm, it's funny because I was like, well, at least this draft won't be boring. But the more you go through it, it's like these kind of like, Everything's kind of fallen in place kind of nicely here. I think the somewhat obvious pick, at least from my perspective, is the next guy on the board, and that's Jalen Carter. I know he's got some off-the-field flags, but you're talking about, by many people's estimation, the top guy in the draft. Seattle actually competed last year. They have a quarterback. They have a improved offensive line. They've got a running back. They've got wide receivers. They need defensive help. You've got a great um, group of safeties. You've got a really good linebacker in Wagner. Now, you could certainly consider a corner if you needed to, Christian Gonzalez, for example, but I think that their defensive line is putrid, and they have to get better, and the maybe the best player by most people's, or by some people's estimation, in the entire draft, Jalen Carter, who has a defensive tackle, is sitting there waiting for you. This just doesn't get any easier. And again, even at corner, you've already got Woolen, right? Maybe somewhat overhyped, but still a solid prospect, and you've got plenty more picks. Just take D Jalen Carter. It's that simple. Next up, you have the Detroit Lions. Obviously, you could look at Anthony Richardson as an option, just from the standpoint of uh, we need to take some time to develop the guy, but we probably have some time. Um, on the other hand, we need to keep pushing, right? We're, we're making progress. We need to keep making progress. But the, the strong consensus here, as much as it makes me sad, I think it makes the most sense, and that is to go corner. Christian Gonzalez is seen by a lot of people as the top guy. Obviously, I disagree with that, and I am going to go in the opposite direction and say Devon Witherspoon, Devin Witherspoon, however you say it. I don't know. Not only do I think he's the top guy, but apparently the Lions really like him. 
Um, and it makes sense. You know, they're, they're, you know, you got the, the kneecap biting thing, right? Ha ha, funny. But that's the difference. You got like the, the lean, smooth cover guy that's got maybe some toughness issues. And then you got the smaller guy, but he's a freaking absolute hammer that likes to smash people. I just think Witherspoon kind of fits what they like a little bit more. Um, they did get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's going to be playing some slot for him, but that guy is disgustingly overrated. Everybody there is sort of just a, you know, Emmanuel Mosley and uh, Cam Sutton. These are guys that are all very upgradable. Short term, we need to get better, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's, a, it's a premium position that they just don't have an answer for. Next up is the Las Vegas Raiders. First thing to note about this team is that the defense is just garbage. I mean, could they use some interior offensive line help? Sure, but we're not doing that this early. Um, but we've got Garoppolo. So we have the quarterback we're going to be using. We have Jacobs, who's maybe the best running back in football. We've got, you know, a tight end that we like in Hooper. We've got uh, Devontae Adams and Renfro and Meyer. Like, we got wide receivers we want. Defense is the problem. Linebackers are a joke. The safeties are a joke. The defensive line is a joke. I mean, Max Crosby is the only good thing aside from uh, maybe Duke Shelley, if you want to assume that him coming out of nowhere and doing something ever was actually the thing. So the question for me really just comes down to who are the top defensive players on the board and what direction do we want to go? And right now it's a very clear question between Christian Gonzalez or Tyree Wilson. My guess is most people wouldn't go Tyree because, well, he's an edge and we already have an edge and that's not our biggest need. First of all, you have one and that's it. Second of all, Wilson clearly has the outside-inside sort of versatility. He's a big, strong dude. But with that said, I think I just have more questions about Tyree Wilson than I do about Christian Gonzalez. I don't see too many people that think that Christian Gonzalez could fall out of the top 10, top 15, top whatever. I have seen that with Tyree Wilson. So I'm just going to go with the somewhat safer pick, I guess, and say Christian Gonzalez to the Raiders. That fortunately makes it really easy for me for the um, Atlanta Falcons. Now, there's a lot of talk about them wanting to take an offensive lineman. I don't necessarily see why. Um, Matthews at left tackle was graded as the 16th best tackle. McGarry at right tackle was the fourth best tackle. Uh, Lindstrom was the number one rated guard in football. So I, I don't know what exactly we're going to add here at tackle. There's also talk about Bijan, but uh, Mr. Tyler Algier, as a rookie, was the fifth best running back in all of football. So I don't think that that's a priority. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a defense that's been a notoriously bad defense for quite a while now. They've got some two solid, they've got two solid guys on the interior, but nothing really off the edge. Now, I guess technically, technically we could debate what edge rusher would make the most sense, but let's be honest, Tyree Wilson makes the most sense based on most big boards. So we're taking Tyree Wilson um, for the Falcons. So just to kind of recap where we're at right now, because the Bears are up next, um, from the Packers' perspective, how many guys that we desperately want and are hoping are going to be there are there? Right? If you like Bijan, he's there. Jackson Smith and Jigba is there. Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson there. Pretty much everybody that is somewhat reasonable to expect will be there is there so far. Now we're getting into a little bit of the gauntlet, but with the Chicago Bears up next, I mean, a lot of people actually are looking defense here, um, which I guess makes sense because the defense was somewhat terrible, but they want to go offensive line um, to be able to protect Justin Fields. Now, to be fair, Ryan Poles has shown no affinity toward prioritizing Justin Fields over the rest of the team. He proved that last year when everybody said he needs to do something for Fields, get some wide receivers, offensive line, whatever, and he went and got back-to-back defensive players. 
But even still, the defensive players have largely been poached. So you could look at Jackson Smith and Jigba as a wide receiver, but they've kind of addressed that. The the standout issue for me at this point, uh, when you compare the talent and everything else, it's offensive tackle. The question is, Paris Johnson or Peter Skaronsky? I mean, you could go in other directions, but again, I'm not going to sit here and project nonsense just for the sake of doing it. Shouldn't say nonsense, but I mean, what what is the benefit of going through every potential tackle without any sort of inside information? And so it's tough because on one hand, I get the impression based on some of the guys that they brought in, they really like these big physical strong guys, which leans Skaronsky for me. On the other hand, Paris Johnson is a for sure tackle. That is to say, I don't know what the Bears think about Peter Skaronsky in terms of his ability to play tackle as opposed to playing guard. Not that it would be terrible to have a guy that if it doesn't pan out a tackle, you kick him inside because we need help there too. But if you want to make sure you hit tackle out of the park, I, I just feel like Paris Johnson makes the most sense. Plus, there's the Ohio State connection with your quarterback. I don't know how much that matters, but I figure it's a good thing as far as the camaraderie, the the communication aspect, whatever that may be, and it couldn't hurt. So um, by a nose hair, I'm going to go Paris Johnson over Peter Skaronsky here to the Chicago Bears. It's one of the first picks that goes off that you look at and go, that probably could have been pretty good for us, but I don't really expect it, nor do I really think it's a priority. Then you look at the Eagles, um, one of the teams that's just pretty stacked across the board in terms of talent, not a ton of holes anywhere, which gives them the benefit to be able to, if they wanted to, look at a guy like Bijan Robinson and say, let's just do it. Right? We got the quarterback, we have the offensive line, we have the tight end, we have the wide receivers. We have, you know, could we do better at corner? Yes, but there aren't really options and we're fine there. Um, we have pass rushers, uh, defensive line. Maybe could use linebacker help, but we just did that last year, and there are no good linebackers. And safety is is seemingly fine. I mean, there's there's question marks. It could certainly be one of those things where, you know, last year was sort of that year where everything came together, and then this year it all falls apart. I don't know. But just based on that and how close they were, I'm looking for that thing to just kind of push you over the edge. The other thing to do is what other people have done in this situation, which is to look at edge rusher because of how old everybody is and recognizing that these guys are going to be leaving soon and we don't want to have to panic. You know, we want to be able to sustain the success. But again, you come back and you look at the the top of the board. I guess there's a couple ways you could go. Bijan is obvious. I don't think you should rule out entirely Jackson Smith and Jigba. You've got Brown, who is your ex. You got Smith, who is your speed guy. Then you add a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, and this offense goes to how ridiculous of a level. Um, Lane Johnson is 33 years old. I don't think you can rule out tackle entirely. In fact, offensive line in general with Kelsey getting old and everything else, certainly an option. Actually, I'm, t- I'm talking myself into this. I-, I really feel like, here's the other thing. I'm-, I'm starting to feel like this is prime trade territory. Now, these are premium positions, edge rusher and tackle. So if you got a guy and you like him, you, you got to take him. But at the same time, there's still a quarterback sitting on the board. And guess who picks immediately after us? It's the Tennessee Titans who desperately need a quarterback. So the question then becomes, what team is it that's going to trade up to pick 10, excuse me, yeah, pick 10 ahead of the Tennessee Titans to take a quarterback before Tennessee does? What would be hilarious is if it was the Jets. I'm sure they won't, but it would be funny. I think the two teams that make the most sense would be Washington and Detroit, but I think the Eagles would rather trade back as little as possible, which would mean Washington. So I'm actually going to go ahead and do that and make that trade. Washington is going to come up, and they are going to grab Anthony Richardson. I don't know. Maybe they really like fifth-round pick Sam Howell, but I'm guessing that's probably not the quarterback of the future. Maybe they really like fifth-round pick Jake Fromm, but I'm guessing not so much. So, um, yeah, we're going with that. 
that puts Tennessee on the clock. And then, then the only question for Tennessee is, do you want Hendon Hooker or not? Personally, I wouldn't go that way. I'm sticking with the quarterback we have. And then it just becomes, what do we do from there? Um, I think the very obvious answer for me is Peter Skaronsky. Andre Dillard is a disaster of a left tackle. Uh, they drafted uh, that uh, petite frere guy from uh, Ohio State in the third round. He was a disaster. He's their right tackle. They have two terrible tackles. And by the way, the interior of their offensive line was a freaking disaster last year. So even if Dillard takes a step, which I mean, this is year four, so probably not. Even if any one of these offensive linemen take a step, um, we still need a lot of help at pretty much all five offensive line positions. Plus, the um, quarterback-running back situation is going to massively improve if we just get that figured out. So, yeah, Peter Skaronsky is going to the Tennessee Titans. Then we get the Houston Texans back on the clock with the question being, now that you've got C.J. Stroud, what do you do? Bijan's a top guy on the board, but I don't see that being a super reasonable thing to do for a team that has basically nothing at any position. I mean, you, you've got your left tackle and basically nothing else. It just feels to me, again, don't know their board. Maybe they could go in a different direction, edge rusher, whatever. It feels relatively obvious you would pair the Ohio State quarterback with the Ohio State wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, help your quarterback. You desperately need wide receivers. You don't really have any. So I hate to do it to you, but I think he comes off the board here. Yes, one pick before the Green Bay Packers. All right. So finally got to the Green Bay Packers. And I tell you what we're going to do since this is a bonus episode. We'll take a break here and we'll kind of run through our options for the Green Bay Packers at pick 13. Whether or not we finish the draft, I don't know. Probably no point in doing it because does anybody want to hear it? Maybe we'll see what the Vikings do. I don't know. But that's going to be the plan. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, so we got Bijan Robinson sitting here, right? But I, I just genuinely, well, here, here's, here's the first thing. Brian Gutekunst did talk about this a little bit in his press conference and, and said, you know, you do have to, to some degree, factor in positional value. But at the same time, if you've got a really good football player, the priority is taking really good football players. The first thing I thought about when he said that was B. John Robinson. So if he is truly available here, I do think we have to somewhat consider the fact that it could very possibly be the pick. However, I don't really think that is the pick. So let's, let's do a position by position thing. Let's look at wide receiver. I personally absolutely hate the idea at this point of taking a wide receiver because I just, not that I you know, wouldn't be happy that we, we got something that we need and maybe they could be great and all that. I just have so many issues with every single person here on some level that I just can't get behind it. Quentin Johnston kind of looks like that guy, but I just, I don't think he comes in day one and is another one of these premier wide receivers that comes in as a rookie, just like we've seen every year for the last couple of years, and does those things. I mean, he just he doesn't look like any of those guys. And I don't know if he ever will be. Again, I think George Pickens was significantly better than Quentin Johnston last year, and George Pickens was a second-round pick. I understand there were flags and all that stuff, but I, I, just, I, I firmly believe if Quentin Johnston was a pick last year, he would have been a second-round pick. Jordan Addison is fine. He's very small, and he doesn't have that elite, elite blazing speed that you would hope if you're going to compromise on a guy that's this small. You worry about his ability to, to deal with man coverage and all this kind of stuff. 
I just don't know. Zay Flowers, I like him as a route runner. He's too small. Jalen Hyatt, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get behind him even acknowledging as fast as he was. I wanted to, desperately. I just didn't see anything other than speed, and even his speed was not as impressive as I thought it would be. Um, the only guy that I'm, you know, head over heels for is Jonathan Mingo, and I think it's unlikely that he goes at pick 13. Right, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the route running. In my opinion, he's got every. I mean, Rasheed Rice also is is really solid, and I don't exactly remember everybody else, but it doesn't matter. I don't think. I personally wouldn't necessarily want to go in this direction, but the question then becomes: Would the Packers want to do it? I haven't really spent any time looking at RAS scores whatsoever, but if you're in the first round, we probably should take a peek. And I can tell you, none of these guys are in the nines as far as RAS goes, which. I'm not going to say it's a requirement because it's not, but the Packers clearly want somebody with a relatively high ceiling. And of the guys that are in that nine range, I mean, the only somewhat, you know, maybe second round guys are Rasheed Rice at 953. Uh, my guy Mingo at 987 is actually the third highest. I didn't even realize that. Josh Downs is close, 899. We can call that nine. But again, I mean, even these smaller guys, like y- y- you don't even meet some of the thresholds you'd want, you know? And Jalen Hyatt is kind of close at 8.76, but, I mean, his 40 time is a 4.4. Okay. Then you add into that a slow short shuttle and a mediocre three cone, and it's like, well, that's that's probably more important than a 40 time, and he's bad at it, and his 40's not even that great, and he's massively undersized. Same with Quentin Johnson. I mean, you know, the, the explosion grades are great. The height is fine, um, but the speed is mediocre and the agility is kind of bad so it's certainly an option it just doesn't feel like what the Packers are going to do these are not you know you look at um, taking what the draft gives you well it's not stacked with top end wide receiver talent they don't have the athletic threshold there's not sort of these elite freaks that were number one in the nation and all that I mean that's not what we're dealing with quarterback same situation there's just there's nothing there tight end is really tough I just cannot get myself to believe they would actually pull the trigger on a tight end. It's not to say that, well, they would never do that or anything like that. I, I just feel like, first of all, do any of them actually sort of meet the thresholds of what the Packers want? I don't just mean RAS, but you could start there. Well, Sam Laporta's 902, but he's probably not going first round. Um, Luke Musgrave, I don't think would be a thing. Schoonmaker, probably no. I mean, the only guy that kind of fits is Darnell Washington, and I just cannot picture that's the pick at 13. Could you imagine moving from 15 to 13 just to take a guy that would be available at 25? (laughs) Maybe he wouldn't. I'm just saying, I, I just can't imagine that that's the pick. And then even Michael Mayer, it's not that they don't like him, but as much as they covet some of these other positions, you know, the defensive positions like defensive line and edge rusher and corner and tackle, you're going to take a tight end like Michael Mayer with a 7.66 RAS, who is like Cole Komet, but a little bit better. Even, even the receiving tight ends like Dalton Kincaid, the, the guy can't block. That's your pick. Why don't you just get a receiver? If you just want a receiver and you don't care if he can block, just get a receiver. I know that's not exactly how that works, but I'm, I'm just saying it doesn't feel like the premium of the premium. Darnell Washington would be the only one because the guy can block and he's built, I mean, he's massive, he's fast, he can block, he can catch. It's just a matter of what degree do you think he can do all these things? And, and again, do you really want that at 13? 
So I just, I cannot get myself to believe that that's the thing. Um, Defensive line scares me to death because it does make some sense, and I could see the Packers doing it. And there's one guy I've got circled big time, and it's Brian Brzee. Hopefully, um, Brian Gutekunst is terrified of Clemson guys just like everybody else at this point. I don't necessarily think Kalijah Kansi would be the guy undersized, supposed pass-rushing defensive tackle. But like I talked about a day or two ago, when you look at Brian Brzee, what is it? It is a you know six foot six, three hundred pound, five star. And let me read this again to you: uh, five star recruit out of high school, number one defensive tackle in the twenty twenty recruiting class, the number one recruit nationally, one spot ahead of Bryce Young. Right? This is sort of that Rashawn Gary thing. He is just this absolute freak. He was the guy that. You know, back in the day, you watched him coming out of high school and entering college and just rubbing your hands together thinking, man, imagine if we can get our hands on that guy. He's got a 961 RAS. You know, I mean, it just it just feels right. I don't want him. I don't necessarily like Brian Brzee. I certainly am going to go back and watch and try to talk myself into it because, again, it checks every single possible box to me. Number one recruit nationally. Freak athlete. Big program defensive line expected to go later than where the Packers are picking. This feels like a Packers pick. This is the pick that it happens and we all go, oh, what? And then we all say, oh, it makes sense. We should have seen it coming. It's it's defensive line. It's Clemson. It's uh, number one recruit nationally. It's a high RAS guy. It's defense. I mean, how did we not see it coming? None of the other defensive tackles necessarily do that, but Brian Brzee is the one guy that I have circled and underlined as a potential pick for the Packers. And we're all, while we're on the topic, I'll say something similar about Miles Murphy, although I think edge across the board, pretty much all of these guys are circled and underlined. But yeah, Miles Murphy, edge rusher, big program, 971 RAS, five-star recruit coming out of high school, number one strong side defensive end in the 2020 recruiting class, number two recruit in Georgia ahead of Will Anderson. Number seven recruit overall in the nation. He's 21 years old, six foot five, 270. I mean, he checks every freaking possible box you could imagine. The other thing that has me leaning very heavily toward edge rusher in general is the comments that Gutekunst has made. He's been asked twice now about where he thinks the draft is strong. I don't remember exactly how he answered it the first time. I know he listed a couple. But this past time when he was asked, he's like, yeah, I talked about it before. I mean, Ed Rusher stands out. I think um, then he kind of hesitates. He has to stop and think. And uh, 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 t- t- tight end, yeah, tight end's good. And and then, uh, But Ed Rusher, boom, it's right out of his mouth. He loves this Ed Rush class. It is at the top of his mind, the forefront of his mind. So Miles Murphy, triple circle, double underline, two exclamation points. Lucas Van Ness is another really big option, I think. What is Lucas Van Ness? 939, which that's the other thing. You look at these other positions that are kind of iffy, maybe. There's nobody with these high RAS scores. Ed Rushers, plenty of them. But high athleticism, six foot five, 272, 21 years old. Big program, relatively, anyways. Nolan Smith, I kind of am leaning toward not so much, although obviously you got the Georgia connection, you got Ed Rusher, you got all that. The 923 RAS, 22 years old. He's relatively young, but it's the 62238 thing that makes me think I just don't think so. Now, if I had to tell you which I thought was more likely, Nolan Smith or any of the tight ends, I'd say Nolan Smith, just to give you an idea of where I'm at with these things. 
I honestly think Will McDonald is in contention, but not again, not quite as much. He's still undersized. He's only a six foot four ish, two thirty nine. Uh, he's almost twenty four years old. I'll add it because I really like him. He is from Wisconsin, also, but an older guy that's undersized. Eh. But he's got a nine six six RAS, which I think is the highest of the group that I've looked at so far. That is until you get to the guy that quadruple circled, triple underlined, Keon White. 992 RAS. Now he is 24 years old, which is one of the flags, but you're talking nearly 6'5, 285. He is a freaking monstrous human being. Now he was only a two-star recruit and all that stuff, and Georgia Tech is not quite on the on par with. But it, it just the these this edge rush group that I'm looking at, and, and you could put in Tommy Adebuare in there if you want. I don't think he's gonna be in there, but Keon White, Will McDonald, Miles Murphy, Nolan Smith, Lucas Van Ness. When you look at that pile and you just ask me, what position do you think we're going to draft? I don't see any position that's even remotely close to the possibility that we're taking an edge rusher. I see one defensive tackle we might take. There's a pile of wide receivers, but none of them feel right. Not just because the Packers haven't done it, but they don't meet the athletic thresholds. They don't have sort of this, it's not a strong wide receiver class. I mean, there's nothing there. You look at safety. I mean, there's one guy and he's a slot corner, right? And his RAS is not good. I mean, let's look at it. Brian Branch, 527 RAS. I just, I, I know athleticism isn't everything, but for the Packers that don't even dip out of the nines to go all the way down to a 527 for a slot who's going to be playing, we're, we're going to make him play more safety. I just, I'm, I mean, you know, I'd be upset if we did it, but I'm, I'm feeling fairly comfortable that this will not be the pick. Now that I said that, it's going to be the pick, but I just, I just do not think so. Um, I think the only other two positions we haven't, I mean, there's still running back, you know, Jameer Gibbs or whatever, but I, I just, we can rule that out. The only other two, because we'll rule out interior offensive line, I don't think that's a thing, and we'll rule out linebacker, is corner and tackle. Um, corner is another one that scares me to death, because the guy I like and the guys I like are going to be gone. But I think it's a real possibility some of the guys that are left. For example, Joey Porter Jr., 971 RAS, 22 years old, Penn State, six foot uh, two and a half, 193, big four star recruit, big long arms, great interviews, right? Seemed like a really good dude. I think that's a, as much as I don't want to admit that it's a real thing, I, I if I had to guess, if you maybe pick between Joey Porter or Brian Branch, I think Joey Porter is more likely. He fits the thresholds. He fits more of a need. I mean, not, not that the position is a bigger need, but in terms of the value of the pick, corner is significantly higher than safety. And again, I don't think Branch is a safety anyways. He's got the NFL lineage. His dad played corner. Then you get Deontay Banks. He had a perfect 10 out of 10 RAS. He uh, just recently turned 22 years old, about six foot 200. I mean, you know, Again, these are things we're not talking about because it's like, well, corner doesn't make sense. Maybe if one of the top guys falls, we'll do it. Dude, Joey Porter and Deontay Banks fit the bill 100,000%. What about the next guy on the list? Emmanuel Forbes, 926 RAS, Mississippi State. A little bit smaller, but uh, just 22 years old. How about the next guy? Borderline first, second round guy, Cam Smith, 968 RAS. Again, just about 22 years old. Six foot 180, four-star recruit, South Carolina. Oh, and don't forget about Keely Ringo. Now, he's not a nine RAS, 
but we're talking about a Georgia guy with an 828 RAS that runs 436. I'm not sure he can be ruled out. By the way, he's only 20 years old, and he's almost 6 foot 2, 210. He's 6 foot 1 and a half, 207 pounds, 20 years old, runs in the 4-3s. And he was a five-star recruit, number one cornerback in the entire 2020 recruiting class, number one recruit out of the state of Arizona, ahead of Bijan Robinson, number four recruit nationally, behind only Brian Brzee and, you know, two other guys. But yeah, that would put him, what, one, two spots ahead of Miles Murphy? So there you go. Some guys to keep an eye on. So yeah, I mean... I mean, edge rusher makes the absolute most sense, especially when you listen to Brian Gutekunst, just ask him about the draft, and he just can't stop gushing about the edge rushers. You know, what do you think about the class? Ah, the edge rushers are great. Anything else? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, what else was it? Uh, Tight end and stuff, like uh, some stuff like that. I just feel like that's where it's going. But some of these other things are worth keeping in mind. Some other one, uh, the, the only other position would be offensive tackle. It's another one that just, it something just doesn't feel right about it. Um, whether it's a, a need thing or just, I, 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 I can't quite put my finger on it, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to be the thing. Uh, you get to Broderick Jones and we got to see, we got to see who's available if Paris or, or, uh, Skaronsky are available. But in this spot, I mean, Broderick is, he's Georgia, he's nine, five, eight. I mean, maybe, maybe that makes sense. I don't know. I thought there was some off the field stuff with him, but I could be wrong. I know there's, there's other, um, there's the Ohio State tackle and then the Tennessee tackle, I think, are the two that had the issues. So, I mean, if Broderick doesn't, then I think that's another one. And I would actually be pretty excited about that. I think he's flying way under the radar in terms of a prospect. Dane Brugler has him at number two. I think 33rd team has him as uh, the top tackle, maybe even the top in the, in the entire draft, actually. But I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, Darnell Wright kind of fits. But again, you got sort of the off-the-field stuff, so I don't really know about that. Um, Anton Harris. He's got a sub-8 RAS. Dewan Jones, I freaking love, but he's just a massive guy that I think is mostly just massive and, again, some off-the-field question marks. It's not impossible. I would just be a little bit surprised. I'd be excited, but surprised if we went in that direction. So, um, yeah, I, 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 if, if you were to ask me today what position, edge rusher is by far the, um, in the lead. After that, I would borderline say corner. I mean, where does wide receiver fall on the list? It's got to be there, and there's plenty of guys, and that's the thing. It just takes one or two that the Packers fall in love with. It, 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 it depends on what their assessment is. But when you ask him about the draft class, he doesn't jump up and say, ooh, wide receiver's real good this year, right? And again, these guys aren't really meeting the thresholds, and it's not known as a good wide receiver class. I know Tony Pauline said they wanted to move up to 13 because it gets him in closer range to Jackson Smith and Jigba, and that may be the case. I think if he's there, there's going to be a piece of me saying that might be the guy. But if he's off the board, I just I cannot imagine. Again, just forget everything you've been hearing and everything that you've been thinking. Just think, what would the Packers do in this spot? The Packers that you know, that you've been following for a very long time. What am I telling you that doesn't sound right? Does it honestly sound to you. I'm not asking what makes sense to you because I know it. Well, they don't need that. Stop it. Well, wide receivers a bigger need. Knock it off. What sounds like more of a Packers pick? Brian Brzee or Jalen Hyatt? Brian Brzee or Jordan Addison? Brian Brzee or Quentin Johnston? I have to assume if you're picking a wide receiver, you're lying. Especially considering Quentin Johnston, I'm looking at the NFL mock, the, the consensus big board. He's at 21 right now. 
Brzee is at 28, so they're not even that big of a difference in terms of how much of a reach it would be. With Quinton Johnson off the board, the consensus is Quinton... I mean, none of these guys are even... There's only three guys left that are considered first-round prospects, and none of them are high first-round, or even mid for that matter. I mean, they're, they're all pretty late. 21 is the earliest. So, yeah, I mean, if I had to tell you today who is the pick, um, man, oh man. Lucas Van Ness is staring me in the face. Miles Murphy is staring me in the face. Brian Brzee is staring me in the face. We've also got Keon White. The only thing that, that makes it seem less likely is because he's considered a second, mid-second round prospect. And I know we've reached into the second before, but that's usually when we're picking like 25, not when we're picking 13. That's like an entire round early, not a half a round early. Miles Murphy is consensus 17. That makes significantly more sense. So yeah, I mean, I would narrow it down to edge rusher. And again, I'm going to rule out Nolan because of his size, Will McDonald because of his size, and Keon because he's a little bit further away. And look at Lucas Van Ness and Miles Murphy and just say what makes the most sense. And I, again, I don't know where Gutekunz falls on that whole Clemson thing, if he really is, is, is shy about that or not. Lucas Van Ness is considered a higher uh, prospect. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, you just look at the, the breakdowns here, and I, I'm just probably leaning a little bit more Miles Murphy. I mean, Lucas Van Ness really just kind of has him beat as far as the agility. Um, so maybe a little bit more bend, maybe. But, um, yeah, I, I, the, the, the fact that we're talking about like six foot and a half, 272 compared to six, four, 270. I don't know, man. I, I just, with, with all the stuff that I've been looking at, I feel like Miles Murphy is the intersection. Uh, Lucas Van Ness also fits, but for some reason it just feels right. A little bit of a reach. It's not what anybody wants. It's not what anybody's talking about. Certainly a pick that may, checks all the boxes. It's the pick that we all look at and go, well, that we should have seen that coming. Why did nobody talk about that? I mean, it's not as crazy. I know, again, you can go with Keon White, and that would be more of like a, oh, dang, but I guess it makes sense. But I don't know if we need to go all the way down to Keon White. We can go to Miles Murphy. So I, I, I hate to do it to you, but I'm going to make the pick finally for the Green Bay Packers, and I'm going to select Miles Murphy, edge rusher, Clemson. I think Lucas Van Ness would probably be my second pick. Not what I want. What I what I think, followed perhaps by Brian Brzee and then maybe some corners and stuff. So, anyways, I'm gonna leave it at that. Uh, hopefully, I didn't ruin your day. <laughs> hopefully, you like Miles Murphy. If you don't, go back and watch what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go back and watch Miles Murphy, and I'll probably like him because I've been watching third, fourth round guys for a while. It'll be like an eye opener, like oh dang, this guy's good. But you guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. <laughs>